I'm Carson Horn, and it's Friday at 11, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Welcome in, everybody, to Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.1. The times, they are a-changing, and I think it's for a good thing, Bob Dylan. There's a lot of excitement around this university, and it's not just because students are headed home for Thanksgiving break, although that certainly has played a role. There's a possibility that Auburn could have have a new coach at the end of this holiday break. And Auburn basketball is back, jet around the corner. A lot of positive thoughts going around Auburn. We're going to get into all of that on today's show. We've got a loaded show. And while things are changing and they are changing for the good, some things are not changing. And that also can be a good thing. And it especially is a good thing when you're talking about Auburn basketball. Auburn basketball started out 3-0 and on the season. That's where the show is going to begin today. We're going to start out there. Then we'll move into the coaching search. Plenty to discuss there. We'll talk about Auburn's win over Texas A&M last weekend. We'll talk about Cadillac Williams. We'll dive into Western Kentucky. And we'll even touch a little bit on the Iron Bowl because this will be my last show before the Iron Bowl and probably my last show before Auburn hires a new head football coach. So a lot's going to happen within this two-week period before we'll be back the Friday of the the week after Thanksgiving. So it's going to be a long time. A lot's going to happen in this period. I hate that I'm not going to be able to do a show again before that time. But make sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Talking Tumors. There's a good chance I will do some type of video or or some tweet on my thoughts on the Iron Bowl predictions, as well as if a coach is hired uh, during during that time. Good good chance I post a video discussing my thoughts on on everything. So make sure to give me a follow there. And then of course we'll be back here live in two weeks. With that being said, let's dive into Auburn basketball now. As I mentioned, Auburn has started out the season 3-0 and with wins over George Mason, uh, USF, and Winthrop. Winthrop coming this week. I've been to all three of those games. I've seen all three of those games in person. It's been a lot of fun uh, getting to cheer on Auburn and getting to be back in Neville Arena. But let's talk about what what has kind of happened in these games. What kind of you know what are my thoughts so far on this Auburn basketball season? Where this team needs to go from here. So if we look back at that George Mason and really the first half of the USF game, it, it was a little tough. You know Auburn did not shoot well in the uh, in the uh, George Mason game. Still won that game by eighteen. They they played outstanding defense uh, the opening night. But again, it was game one. But it certainly didn't alleviate some of the concerns that plenty of Auburn fans have uh, regarding this Auburn team as far as shooting goes and some concerns of how this how scoring is going to be done this year with guy, with uh, you know guy like Jabari Smith gone who really was your go-to scorer last year and we knew coming into the season this Auburn shooting needs to improve well that was an issue for the first for the first game against George Mason, Auburn shot horrendously from three and from the field and from the free throw line. That continued on into the first half of the USF game. Auburn was, uh, I believe, trailing at halftime the USF game. That was an ugly, just an ugly first half uh, shooting and scoring. So a lot of people were starting to get frustrated and a lot of people already, you know, jumping to conclusions, fast conclusions. I know my friend and I got into some uh, 
pretty heated discussions uh, over Auburn basketball. And, you know, I, I, I tend to always stay on the more optimistic side. And sometimes he can be more, more realistic than me, but also at times he is uh, far more negative than I am and takes it a little bit, goes a little bit too far with it. You know, he was starting to give some hot takes uh, on things. And look, he could end up being right in some of the things that he said. But as I was trying to tell him, look, it's too soon to jump to conclusions. We've only been through one game and a game and a, and a, game and a half at, at, at this point. So making, you know, brash, brash, um, you know, opinions and rushing to conclusions just just based on, you know, uh, 60 minutes of basketball uh, was going to be way too soon. And really in the second half, Auburn played much better against U- USF. They shot the ball for 50% in, in the second half. Yes, it was less from three. They got uh, got into the paint, got some higher quality looks. Give credit to USF. They're not a very good team. But their defense did do some things that gave Auburn some uh, fits, just like they did last year. Again, who would have thought when Auburn traveled down to USF last season that, and they barely won that game, won that game fifty-seven to fifty-two, that, that Auburn was going to go on to be the number one ranked team in the country at at a point during the season? No one was going to think that. So look, it's too soon to judge. Like I mean, Tennessee lost the game to Colorado. Colorado is also not a very not a very good basketball team. It doesn't seem. Tennessee, I still think, has a chance to be one of the best teams in the country this season. It's just too soon to jump to any conclusions. Uh, Kentucky getting beat by Michigan, uh, Michigan State. Now, Michigan State's obviously a much different opponent than a uh, Colorado or a, a USF. But again, it's it's when uh, Gonzaga getting getting whooped by Texas. Again, those are ranked versus ranked. I know it's not you can't necessarily compare those as much. But again, that doesn't mean that your team's still not going to be a uh, a national championship contender, a strong, you know, a conference winner. It's just way too soon to jump into conclusions, especially in basketball. And, like, in, in every sport, there's improvements that happen as the season goes on. But especially in basketball, man, it's a long season. There's tons of games. And sometimes you're just not going to be on shooting-wise, and that doesn't mean that you're a poor shooting team or a good shooting team when you, when, you know, when you shoot like Auburn did against Winthrop. I think overall you're going to see an Auburn team that's a fairly average shooting team. I think you're going to see them have some games that are just going to be ugly. And then I think you're going to have some more games like you saw uh, Monday night uh, or Tuesday night against Winthrop where they're going to shoot extremely well. What has to be consistent for this Auburn team to have a chance to compete for championships this year, a chance to be a high seed going in the NCAA tournament, is they're going to have to play consistent defense. That seems like that's going to be a strength. That is something, that's a controllable thing. Yes, I know like, you're shooting shots, that's controllable. Yeah, but sometimes, again, sometimes things just aren't going to go down. Shots aren't going to fall, but you can play defense consistently well. You can force your opponents into tough shots night in and night out. If this Auburn basketball team does this throughout the year, they're going to have a chance to keep themselves in every game and even keep themselves in some games they shouldn't be in because of their lack of shooting. And if they do that, this season can be successful. But again, shooting still a concern I have, no doubt about it. It was certainly good to see Wendell kind of find his stroke um, against Winthrop. Um, and uh, hopefully that continues uh, going forward. He certainly looked like the best player on the, on the floor uh, against Winthrop. And I think that can continue in, in games. He he probably going to be the go-to uh, scorer for Auburn this year. Uh, I keep, you know, who's going to be that guy? Obviously, in late uh, situa- late game situations last year, Jabari was that guy. Who's going to step up into that role? It certainly looks like Wendell is going to be that guy. So him uh, continuing to find his stroke from three is going to be important. Uh, Zepp uh, had a bad game against USF, went scoreless in that game, ended up um, – 
doing a, it had some improvements in the Winthrop game, shot a little bit better there. I know he wants to continue to improve his shooting. He said this week in press conference, what are the two things when asked what are you know things that Auburn needs to improve on most? He said transition defense, which again I bragged on the defense, has been good. They did struggle getting a little bit confused in transition defense against USF because USF played at a faster pace and same against Winthrop. They struggled uh, there as well in transition defense because they played the faster pace. So that is something he wanted to improve. And then three point shooting, I know for him especially and for the team. So getting him to improve upon that will, will be big as well. If those two, those two, and Katie Johnson can start to shoot the rock a little bit better, that's going to be big for this team this year. Katie has really struggled. These first three games have uh, they've been brutal for him. I know he's frustrated. Uh, his first game was not bad, but these last two especially have been have been tough on him. He had zero points against USF. Like Zepp, he hasn't shot the ball in the way that he would like to. Unfortunately, I just think that's KD. I, I really do. I do think overall, in average, he can shoot better than he has last season. I pointed back to his freshman year at Georgia where he shot nearly 40% from three. I think that he can get to a 35% plus from three, but he's a streaky player. He, he's going to be a guy who can, who can win you games. Uh, like you saw him do multiple times last season, he's also a guy who can who can, who can lose you games, who can you know take you out of games with some some poor decision making, forcing things a little bit too much. But he's a guy you need. He's a guy you need to perform at a high level. So him being able to perform at a high level consistently, it's going to be a challenge. But it's something this coaching staff, I'm sure, is going to keep battling and keep working. And then also with as far as rotations go, with the depth that this team has, you don't necessarily have to play him if he's having an off night. You kind of—it's going to be one of those situations where it's a feel. If he's on, if he's playing well, you keep him in there. If he's not, if he's struggling, you go ahead and pull him out. You've got other options. Zep at the two with Chance getting healthy. Chance at the two. You've got different things that you can do if he's not on. Again, I hope he is most nights because I think he is a game changer when he is. But that is the—that is the case. So the two that I'm focused on the most that are you know kind of struggling, want to get things going right now are KD and Zep. Yoan Treor, you could throw in there, but I'm not just because he's a freshman. He's young, he's raw, he's growing, he's developing, he's still learning in, in the system. I, I want to see him improve from three. He's gotten a lot of good looks. He's only been able to knock down a couple. I know that's been another frustrating thing for him. I, I think his stroke will improve as the season uh, continues on. He's going to develop Again, a tremendous athlete that's going to turn into a really good basketball player. I believe he's going to be a different player uh, come January, come February um, for this Auburn team. Guys, I'm liking, I already mentioned Wendell. He's going to have to be even a bigger piece this year uh, for Auburn to have, a, to have a really good season and to uh, make a run at, at, at winning a championship, SEC championship, NCAA. He's going to have to be a big piece for this team. Dylan Carwell and Janai Broom. Look, Janai hasn't even been healthy uh, on, on playing on a bum ankle, but he has been fantastic. I know as that ankle continues to get better, he's going to be more of a threat offensively, but even on that bum ankle, he's been great defensively, and I can't say enough about Dylan Cardwell and his defense. His rim protection has been excellent. You know, we wondered with Walker Kessler moving on to the NBA how that would affect this um, this Auburn basketball team. 
Well, the rim protection has not dropped off in the least bit with Dylan Carwell and Janai Broom. And Dylan has improved his offensive skills around the basket as well. So that's been great to see. I'm very excited about this front court. And I really do believe the strength may be in this front court again this season. Uh, surprisingly enough, because of the way Janai and Dylan are playing. And I look to see uh, Janai's offensive role continue to increase as the season goes on, as he gets more healthy. And of course, defenses are going to key in on that a little bit. But he offers uh, a different threat, as I've talked about before, than Walker Kessler uh, had in the past. The, the depth, I mentioned that. Depth has, is a strength of this team. But it could also be a weakness. And you ask, well, how, how is that? Well, the problem is letting guys get into the flow of the game or messing up the flow. In the Winthrop game, you saw Auburn get off to a hot start. They made some substitutions, got a whole whole new kind of lineup in there, and you, and they kind of hit a lull. Let let Winthrop get back in it there for a little bit, and you got your top guys only playing a little over twenty minutes. That's just a little over half the game. I know there's a lot of guys that deserve minutes, and Bruce is big on if you've got you know X amount of guys who deserve to play, then then those guys are gonna they're gonna play. But when you've got guys playing well and then you pull them out of the game, yes, you have to give them rest. I'm not saying you never play guys on your bench. But I, I do think it, it can become an issue because you hit these lulls when that happens, when guys are playing well and you take them out. I expect that to change again. It's early in the season, and so you know I'm sure that you know some listeners are like, well, again, it's, it's early in the season. These games you're going to win. It doesn't matter. Like, And I understand that. I, I do agree with you, but if this does continue – um, where you continue to play near 12 guys a substantial amount of minutes, it can mess up your flow. It can allow teams to get back into the game. So I, while I do think you continue to play that number, I think you've got to be a little bit more sporadic with those substitutions, maybe making those substitutions a little bit shorter and letting guys like like Wendell, uh, like uh, Chance, like Zepp, uh, like Janai, you know, and Dylan Carwell, you know, Jalen Williams, those guys play uh, more minutes uh, than, than some others on the court something to keep an eye on because you don't want to hit those lulls offensively because they can come back to bite you if you let teams go on runs when you've got good leads in a game again I'm not too super concerned about it I certainly think that as the season goes on you'll see the minutes decrease for some guys because of the, the guys that need to be out there um, on the court but again you can also make the argument guys like Trey Donaldson who you would say you would take minutes from have kind of exceeded expectations so far. He's played really well, and so I understand also, like, man, he deserves to be out there. Um, so so I get that. It's not easy for a coach, and I, I certainly expect things to, uh, to change moving uh, forward. We've got to go to our first break here. I still want to talk about Chance Westry. We'll go into him, and then we'll preview the upcoming slate for this Auburn basketball team uh, taking on Texas Southern, and then we'll talk about the next few games that are coming up over Thanksgiving break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Fire threatens everything. We go 91.1. So I mentioned before um, that I wanted to talk about Chance Westry before I dove into previewing the Texas Southern matchup tonight and the games over Thanksgiving. So Chance came back from uh, injury, only played about 17 minutes in his debut for Auburn. But in those 17 minutes, he showed a lot of potential. And I know... You know, some told me, you know, you're a little too high. He could have gone out there and looked absolutely horrendous, and you still would have been saying he's the best thing since sliced bread. And maybe that's true because I've been looking forward to his debut. And he, he, he only scored three points, but the reason I was very excited 
was because some of the assists he made were very impressive. His vision was very impressive. He had some really good looks. His shot's really smooth. I think he's going to get more shots to, to go as he, you know, continues to get used to playing live basketball again. I think he's a game changer for this Auburn basketball team. I really do. I don't find it a coincidence that Auburn played its best game in his debut uh, with the team because he can play anywhere one through three. So if you've got somebody struggling one night, one through three, he can go in. He can be a filler there. If everybody's on one through three, he he allows he can play anywhere and fit in. You know, can can give a breather to anyone. He can be a starter um, at any one of those positions. And the biggest thing for me is, and I, I don't think we saw this the other night. If we did, I just missed it. Wendell and Chance playing together could open up some really good shot looks. For Wendell, meaning Wendell can play off the ball, possibly letting Chance play uh, the one on offense. Now he would probably still guard the two on defense, but letting him play the one on offense, maybe opening up some good three-point looks for Wendell. And that's certainly an offense I think you're going to see uh, moving forward for for Auburn. I'm interested to see if we're going to see it tonight or if this is something that uh, Auburn's going to hold on to until until some bigger games. But look, he 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 truly is a difference maker. And, and I think about it more at the two and the three because, again, with some of KD's inconsistencies, maybe Chance ends up having to play a bigger role at the two and because of the way Trey Donaldson has been playing at the one. He's been a very formidable backup. But also maybe at the three, if Alan Flanagan or Chris Moore is not stepping up to the challenge, maybe he, he has to slide in there. But, again, he gives his team a lot of depth. He gives his team a lot of flexibility. So I am really looking forward to watching him and seeing how he grows this season. Very, very excited about the future of Auburn basketball with him. Unfortunately, I think he might do so well that he's only here for a year. But if he's only here for a year, uh, then I think that he's going to lead Auburn to a very successful season this uh, this year. With that being said, let's dive in to this Texas Southern matchup. Man, Texas Southern been through the ringer. They have played a brutal schedule, um, playing some really, really talented teams. They've already played two ranked opponents. They're about to play a third one in Auburn. Uh, they lost by about over 20 to Texas Tech. They lost by near 40 this week to Houston. They played games with only about a day of rest in between. They have won one game, that one game coming at home against Arizona State. Um, they're better than the record shows. Their record shows 1-4 right now, but like I mentioned, their, their schedule's been brutal. And they've been playing a lot of games close together. And they certainly were not afraid of a challenge. You you've got to respect that. So you know, coming off you know two brutal losses to you know highly ranked opponents, they're going to be motivated. They're they're going to be looking to to finally you know play competitive and maybe pull off an upset a, against a ranked opponent because they played two different teams. Uh, you know that are they're that are fairly high ranked. They're going to know kind of what to expect from from teams that are more talented from them. Look, Texas Tech and, and Houston are two completely different teams from Auburn. They have different uh, styles of play, uh, different talent at, at different positions. But this is a Texas Southern team who made it to the NCAA tournament last year. They uh, won the SWAT tournament uh, and uh, ended up winning the, the uh, first four in game, 16 versus 16 matchup before losing to Kansas. And they return a good majority of that team. They've got a dynamic duo, uh, two very solid forwards that are both 6'9", a piece, uh, John Walker III and Carl Nicholas. They're both fifth-year seniors. They're almost identical right now. John Walker uh, the third has more points on the season than Carl Nicholas, but Carl Nicholas was 
uh, selected first-team All-SWAC uh, this year, Walker to the uh, second-team All-SWAC. So these are these are talented forwards that could give Auburn trouble on both the defensive and offensive end. Nicholas more of a, a, a strength is in his defense. Like I said, Walker more in his scoring. But because of Auburn's front court, I'm confident that they'll be okay in this matchup because I really do believe it's going to be hard for any front court to be able to match or be better than Auburn this season, uh, at least on the you know defensive end, uh, what Auburn can do there. Their leading score is their point guard, 5'10 point guard, so another, another shorter point guard matchup like you got in the Winthrop game. Uh, you'll see this uh, P.J. Henry and Wendell Green go at it. He averages around 16 points per game, uh, shooting nearly 40% from three. Um, so they're 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 a formidable opponent. Like I said, better better than the record may show. They're a veteran team, um, returning many players from last season. But as I said, if Auburn handles their business, this this should be a uh, fairly easy win. If they shoot like they did against Winthrop, it, it certainly will be a a uh, easy win. What what I'm going to be looking for in this game is seeing if they can build off, like I just mentioned, that shooting performance uh, against um, Winthrop there. It, look, I'm not saying you have to shoot, you know, 40% from three again, but shooting, you know, above 35% would be nice. So shooting in that range uh, of 40% from three uh, would be nice. Seeing shooting around 40% from the field in general would be good. Improving shooting from the free throw line, that's something that bugs me. I understand that the guys that have been getting to the free throw line the most for Auburn have been your uh, your big men, and so typically, you know, big men are not great free throw shooters. But still, I like to see that improve. And then, as that mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the deep, uh, transition defense, something that struggled in the Winthrop game. Uh, Texas Southern uh, will probably look to exploit that a little bit. So I like to see that improve some uh, for Auburn. So those are kind of the key things I'm be looking at. Plus what I mentioned about Chance and seeing if we're going to see that lineup with him and Wendell on the floor at the same time. So certainly things to be looking out for in that game. As for what Auburn basketball has coming up over Thanksgiving, uh, they're going to play in Cancun in a tournament there. Uh, I believe they'll only play two games uh, from based on my research unless they, they I'm not sure. There's two sides of the bracket there in Cancun. I'm not sure if the winner or one side is going to play the winner or the other. But on Auburn's side, the bracket is Bradley and uh, Northwestern and Liberty. Auburn will open against Bradley. Uh, they're two and one on the season. They're coming off a uh, big win over Eastern Michigan. Uh, they whooped Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan not expected to be a bad team this season, so that was a good win for Bradley. They last made the NCAA tournament in 2019. So that'll be the opening matchup there. I'm sure Auburn has already done uh, some scouting for them. I believe that game, yes, that game will be played on Tuesday, I think around 5 o'clock Central Time uh, here in um, Alabama. Of course, the game will be played in Cancun. And uh, then Northwestern and Liberty. Northwestern is 3-0, and uh, off to a, a fairly good start. They will play against Liberty, and Auburn will play the winner or loser of that game, depending on if they win or lose against Bradley. Liberty got whooped by Alabama. Alabama looked really good in that game uh, against Liberty. So we'll see um, who Auburn ends up playing in that second game on the following Wednesday. And then that might be it. I'm not sure, again, like I said, if, they'll, if they will play a third game there in Cancun. So this isn't as big of a Thanksgiving tournament as we've seen in the past. Of course, Auburn played over Thanksgiving last year. And in the past, we've seen them even play teams like Gonzaga. We've seen them play teams like Duke. 
so they're out of uh, conference um, tournament matchups. You know, this season not as big as in the past, but still some formidable opponents to play here, and certainly fun for these players to get to go to get to go to Mexico and enjoy their time there over the Thanksgiving holiday. So I hope you all tune in and, and watch those games. And then coming out of uh, Thanksgiving the Sunday following the Iron Bowl. I will be traveling, getting back here to Auburn. I'll be covering their game against St. Louis back here in Auburn. That game will be played at 2 o'clock. Certainly a dangerous game. Auburn was down big last year in St. Louis. They end up coming back to win that game. Uh, St. Louis would certainly like to return the favor and get a win on the road at Auburn. The St. Louis team projected to be better than they were last season, uh, returning a lot of good good players from uh, last year's team. That's going to be a dangerous game, especially, again, coming off the holidays, the Sunday afternoon game. Probably won't be a ton of people at the game just because everybody's going to be coming back into town getting um, that day, getting ready for classes to start the following Monday. I, I'm a little nervous about that game because of those reasons. Auburn's going to have to bring great energy. I always believe that Bruce, Mer- uh, Bruce Pearl is a great motivator, but it's still going to be a dangerous game if this team is sleepwalking, if they're not motivated. So that's one to watch. I'll be I'll be covering that game, so make sure you're following me at Talking Tumors on Twitter. And then, I'll, of course, have the post-game article after for that one. On That is the Sunday uh, after the Iron Bowl and speaking of that, that makes for a great transition into what exactly could be happening on that Sunday after the Iron Bowl. I believe we could have a new coach on that day. Who's that coach going to be? Well, that's what uh, we're going to discuss right now. Uh, everything, all the signs point still towards it being Lane Kiffin. From everything um, that that you and I have both read, I'm sure Lane Kiffin continues to seem to be the lead candidate, candidate that's being widely reported by multiple multiple different uh, beat writers and and re- reporters across the country, local and national. However, as far as I can tell, and as far as the reporting, nothing is a done deal yet. It was reported by Richard Cross yesterday. Uh, he was a, uh, I believe, a Mississippi radio guy. It was reported that Ole Miss has offered Lane Kiffin a new contract. Uh, it is expected that it's around $9.5 million range. And not a surprise. Uh, you know, obviously Ole Miss doesn't want to lose him. Uh, what could be a little bit surprised is that he did say, he didn't hit that same report, said that Auburn had not yet offered Lane Kiffin. So it is a little weird that they would... Uh, offer before Auburn. Usually in these situations, you get the offer from the team that's trying to trying to poach your coach, and then the the team, uh, the university that he's at, then usually counter offers. Usually how these things go. So I'm not sure. Maybe ha- Auburn has offered and just hasn't been reported. But if not, maybe Ole Miss is just trying to be preemptive here, trying to get out in front of this. And so they made that offer to Lane Kiffin. I, I do expect Auburn, if they haven't already, to make an offer to Lane Kiffin. And honestly, I do expect him to take it. Um, we will uh, dive into the reasons why or why not he may not take that uh, offer right after this. So stay tuned here to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. We'll be right back. Tumors now on Weagle 91.1. My apologies for leaving you on a cliffhanger there, but I didn't want to dive into this whole segment on Lane Kiffin and the coaching search and get too far into it and then have to take a break. So I went ahead and took the took the commercial break. So now we have a plenty of time to dive into this. So the first thing I want to do is I want to give you the facts as they are of the coaching search based on what's been reported 
and then I'm going to give you kind of my analysis and my opinion on things. Again, there's a big difference in my opinion and my analysis and the facts that we have out there about this coaching search. So let's start with the facts. The facts are, as I mentioned before the break, Lane Kiffin is and continues to be the leading candidate that has been widely reported by multiple different outlets. He has been offered a, a new contract by Ole Miss that is it uh, uh, reported to be around the $9.5 million range. It is also a fact that, Ole, uh, that by Mississippi law, Ole Miss cannot offer contract lengths greater than four years. It has also been reported that James Franklin is now a candidate for the Auburn job. That's been uh, uh, reported by uh, Nathan King. It has been reported that Luke Fickle is also a candidate for the Auburn job. That has been uh, reported by Justin Hokinson. Those are the facts, along with your same candidates we mentioned before, Hugh Freeze being, uh, of course, one of them. So here is my kind of analysis and take. I still believe it's Kiffin until it isn't. I believe he's the leading candidate, and I believe he will ultimately be Auburn's head coach. I believe some of these other names you're hearing are some guys that maybe Auburn has contacted in case this falls through. I don't know for sure who the second candidate is if Lane Kiffin were to fall through. In my opinion, I don't think it's Hugh Freeze. There's some differing opinions out there from different people you ask. Well, they'll say, yeah, Hugh Freeze is the second guy, no doubt. It's going to be Kiffin or Freeze. There's some out there that'll say, no, it's going to take, you know, Auburn to miss on you know, multiple different guys for it to come down to Hugh Freeze. That's kind of where I am. I believe it's Lane Kiffin, and it's going to take a few more guys for Auburn to miss on before it comes down to Hugh Freeze. What I don't know, and I'm really not sure on, is who the second candidate is. I tend to believe it might be James Franklin. There were reports out there for a while that there there's the mystery candidate, Josh Pate, um, who has a uh, Great show uh, for 24-7 sports. He mentioned that he knew of two, you know, Power 5 head coaches that would move the needle to 10. I'm quoting uh, him uh, in the Auburn coaching search. He didn't say who they were. I believe one of them might have been James Franklin, and maybe that name just now coming to light. Why he would want to leave Penn State, I'm not exactly sure. You could say, well, he's just using that for a contract ascension. Is that thing is, he just got a, a big new contract. So I don't really think that's the reason. I really do think he has legitimate interest in Auburn. I, again, I don't know exactly why he would want to leave Penn State. I don't know if it's the same reasons Lane Kiffin may want to leave Ole Miss. Is it the um, NIL? Is it facilities? Is it resources? Does he want to be in the South? That doesn't necessarily make sense to me. He's from Pennsylvania. So I, I, I don't necessarily get that one, um, but I do think there may be some legitimate interest in there. Again, you could say, well, maybe he's wanting to get away from Ohio State and Michigan to come play with Georgia and Alabama. No, that's not it. So I really am a little bit baffled uh, for the reasoning there um, because, again, it's not. it doesn't seem to be money. So it has, it has to be NIL and resources and things like that. Maybe Penn State is not on the level that maybe Auburn is, but I don't even know that for sure. So, But I do believe maybe he's the second name. Luke Fickle is a name. He's not necessarily new. He had been mentioned. He was mentioned back in the last head coaching search when we hired Brian Harson. He's been mentioned some early on and then taken off some hot boards back on. Justin Hokinson is who added him to his most recent hot board. Maybe he's the number two guy. I'm not completely sure, though, that he would want to leave the Midwest and leave Cincinnati. He's a fantastic coach. I will give him that. I certainly would have some reservations about his recruiting. I know at Cincinnati he has recruited some guys from the South. He's gotten commits from guys out of Florida. I know when he was a coach at Ohio State, a position coach there, his region was more the South. 
But still, I would have some hesitancy about that hire. So my guess is one of those two guys is the number two, but it could be neither. There's also been some, you know, rumors that there's another big name out there I'm not going to say over air. If you want to contact me privately, I'll share with you kind of what my thoughts are. But if I say it over air, there's not, I don't have enough uh, info. I haven't read enough to be confident in that this is uh, for sure a name that would be interested in the Auburn job. It would kind of blow your mind. You may know who, who I'm referring to uh, if I told you because this one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. So maybe that's the case. Maybe that is not. But again, I believe this is Lane Kiffin's shop if he wants it. So let me, so let me, with that being said, let me talk about why or why not Lane Kiffin would, would or wouldn't take this job. Auburn has better resources. Auburn has more NIL. Auburn has better fan support, better environment. Auburn's going to be able to pay more money. Yes, Ole Miss just offered $9.5 million. You're saying Auburn can offer more than that? Yes, I am. Gone are the days, as I said, the times they are changing. Auburn's no longer worried about money, and you can argue that that's been the case forever because of the amount of buyouts they've paid. But they're not going cheap here. I, I fully believe John Cohen is prepared to make whoever he hires, Lane Kiffin or someone else, one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid coach in college football. Nick Saban's contract is always going to make him the highest paid, but I, I'm prepared for Auburn to offer up to possibly, you know, up to nearly $12 million um, based on what some have, have mentioned. Not necessarily reported, that's just been said that that can be a possibility. So money's not going to be an issue. Auburn can offer more than Miss, uh, Ole Miss, and they can offer for a longer period of time uh, than Ole Miss. You may have some reservations about those contracts. I get it, especially the way things have gone with Jimbo Fisher and Mel Tucker at Michigan State. I get it. I think that Lane Kiffin will be worth it personally if anybody is because of his proven track record. I have no doubt that he will be successful at, at Auburn. The only thing, and I mean the only thing, I mean no disrespect to Ole Miss when I say this. Ole Miss is a great university. They're still in the SEC. They still have plenty to offer. So I'm not sitting here and saying, like, they're broke. They can't offer anything that, that Auburn can. Look, I saw that they that since this stuff had come out, that if Lane Kiffin leaves Ole Miss, it's going to be because of the, the reasons I just listed. Their NIL collective has grown. That's great. They still are not going to reach the amount of money that Auburn already has literally already has built up. Ole Miss is trying to build up, and their build up is still way short of what Auburn already has in the bank. So they've still got a ways to go here. If Lane Kiffin is going to stay at Ole Miss and not come to Auburn, it won't be because Ole Miss has you know better resources or better NIL. It'll be just because he's at Ole Miss and he's happy there, and he's just not ready to make a change. Sometimes people don't want they don't want to leave where they're at. You know, they're yes, there's more money, but you know, as the saying goes, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Maybe he truly does believe that he he doesn't want to have to do a, a reset and have to rebuild a roster like he's going to have to do at Auburn. Uh, you know, maybe he's happy with with the the current situation. Maybe he likes Oxford, doesn't want to leave. The, you know, the the town of Oxford, or maybe he's like, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to wait. There's another job. That, that that's going to come open in the future that you know I re- really feel good about. I, I don't necessarily buy into that being the Alabama job. I'm not sure about Texas A&M. So maybe that's the case. Maybe for once, Lane Kiffin's not looking for the next thing. That's been a, you know, a kind of a, a thing of his career that he's always looking to go to the next job or, or whatnot. So that would be the reason. It, it's not going to be because Ole Miss offers something uh, more than Auburn does. Auburn is going to be able to offer more than Ole Miss and literally everything except the fact that Auburn's not where he is currently. Ole Miss is where he's at currently. That's the only thing that Ole Miss has going for them 
or is that they are the current home of Lane Kiffin. Now, that may be enough to keep him. That may be, and maybe they're like, they've convinced him enough on the NIL that, yes, we're not where Auburn is, but maybe we can get there within time, and maybe that's enough to keep him to stay there. But I think he wants to win championships, and I think he wants to win them now. And I think his greatest chance to do that is to come to Auburn with, again, because of the things that Auburn has built up uh, now and the history. Ole Miss has not won the SEC West, and SEC is about to go away from conferences. But SEC, Ole Miss has never played an SEC championship game. They have, Last time they won the SEC was before conferences. They won it in the 60s. Um, so, look, the history is there. The pedigree is there for Auburn. I still believe it is Lane Kiffin's shop if he wants it, and I believe he does. So I certainly believe that he will be the next head coach of Auburn. Uh, again, I could be wrong. Things can always change in a coaching search. I believe that's going to be the case. The interesting you know, thing about this is, of course, Ole Miss plays Arkansas this weekend. Then they play in the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night. So this hire, theoretically, if Auburn reaches an agreement with him before the Egg Bowl, could be announced after the Egg Bowl and before the Iron Bowl would not necessarily be a dumb PR move by Auburn by any stretch of the imagination, because more than likely the Iron Bowl is not going to go super well. So getting, go ahead and throwing that out there on the Friday before the Iron Bowl, I understand, well, you're taking away, maybe you're taking something away from the players, the tension off them. I, I also get that point. I understand that argument as well. But I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea if, if they're able to reach an agreement to go ahead and announce it. That way, you know, it can be talked about during the Iron Bowl broadcast. You can start, you know, drumming up some excitement. Would not be a bad decision, in my opinion. We'll see where all this goes. But again, by the next time I get to talk to you live on air, Auburn will have a new head football coach unless something has just gone disastrously wrong. Uh, they will have a new head football coach. I'm looking forward. Uh, to that. I'm expecting it to be Lane Kiffin. If in two weeks it's not, then uh, we'll talk about what exactly happened and who the next head coach is. With that being said, before we go to this final break, I want to go ahead and start talking about this breakdown, a recap of the Texas A&M game. Man, what an environment that was for Coach Cadillac Williams' first home game as interim head coach. I talked about him uh, last week and what a phenomenal job he has done as interim head coach. Did a great job getting this fan base back excited. Uh, I wrote an article, if you want to check it out, it's on WeagleFM.com. Uh, said Cadillac returns to joy to Auburn football. He did exactly that, and uh, it was a fun night on Saturday night. It was an ugly game. Both teams are really bad. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Auburn's not a good football team. Texas A&M is a worse football team. Auburn found a way to win. Really should have won that game by more than they did. But nonetheless, the, the crowd was electric, even on a freezing cold night. The players played their hearts out, and uh, it was really, really fun to see. Uh, it was good to see guys like Tank Bigsby have the game that he had. Jarquez Hunter and Tank both had over 100 yards rushing. That was really great to see. You know, kind of like he talked about getting back to, to old school Auburn football, and Auburn has certainly done that. Um, and then I got to go to the post-game press conference, seeing his emotions. He was given the game ball in the locker room uh, by the players to see their appreciation of him, man, and the way he has led those guys since Brian Harson was fired has been nothing short of incredible. And I, I know Auburn is forever indebted to him for bringing some energy and bringing some joy back to this program. But also, you know, thinking selfishly as a fan, I'm talking about all these things, but also for what he has done for these 
for those guys, those men in the locker room to be able to rally them, to be able to get them motivated, to be able to care for and love for them the way that he has in what's been a tough period, I know, for those guys. It, it, it's so much deeper than football, and he, is, he has mentioned that. And so I was excited for him. Again, it's a, it's a night that um, Auburn fans will forever remember and will hold in high regard. And, uh, you know, it's crazy to think that a, that a team that had three wins going into that game had maybe one of the most memorable, memorable nights in Jordan-Hare history. And I'm talking it's going to be up there with the kick six, you know, the, the miracle at Jordan-Hare. No, I'm not saying it's at those levels. You can't quite, you know, uh, get to the levels of that rivalry game, big upset, crazy moments, some of the greatest moments in college football history level. But it is going to be up there in the top five, I certainly think, uh, Jordan-Hare memories for Auburn fans. And it's crazy to think, again, in a season where you're 3-6 and six, to have that much energy. And people that aren't familiar with Auburn were just confused. Like, what? They have this th- this crowd energy for, a, you know, a three-win team, and they're acting like this after a win? Because Auburn's a different place, man. It's special. And, and that's something that I know that John Cohen has used in his pitch to Lane Kiffin, among others. Like, look, this this place is different. Look at this. This is a three-win team. And look how this energy is. Look how this crowd is. Look at the celebration post-game. Auburn is a special place. Not everyone's going to understand it. Not everyone's going to get it. And that's why I love it. And I'm so proud to be uh, a part of this university and be able to uh, be blessed to go to a university uh, like Auburn. With that being said, Auburn turns their attention to Western Kentucky this week, who is a dangerous team. And we'll get in. Welcome back to the final segment of Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.1. So Auburn plays Western Kentucky this weekend in, in what would typically be a cupcake game. That's not going to be the case, though. I'm fully expecting a four-quarter battle um, tomorrow at 3 o'clock in Jordan-Hare. Uh, the reason I'm expecting that, one, is because you know Auburn's just not a very good team this year, and two, Western Kentucky is not a, a bad team. Uh, they were, a, uh, in fact, a very good team last year, led by an excellent quarterback in uh, uh, Bailey Zappi. Uh, they've still got a very, very solid quarterback this year in Austin Reed. We'll talk more about him in just a second. But let's start out with this defense. This is, they're a fairly average defense, uh, Western Kentucky is. They've, uh, their D-line is weak, and that's going to be important uh, for Auburn. Uh, this Auburn's offensive line, obviously not, not a strong suit either. So Auburn's offensive line facing a, a weaker D-line should be a good thing. Their strength is in their secondary. That should also be a good thing for Auburn because we're going to get strength on weakness in this game. Uh, you know, Western Kentucky is going to get strength on Auburn's weakness of the passing game. Auburn's going to get strength on weakness that running game is Auburn's strength going against Western Kentucky's weakness, their run defense. So it's going to be very important, like every game from for here on out, for Auburn to be able to run the ball effectively. They did it against Texas A&M. If they did it against A&M, they should be able to do it against Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is going to do what every other defense has done, though. They're going to load the box, and uh, they're going to try to stop the run. But I thought some of the play designs have been very good by Will Friend. He's done a, a really a solid job uh, as interim OC. So continuing to mix up the looks, giving different uh, playing to your O-line strengths, playing to Tank Bigsby and Jarquez's strength, depending on what kind of play call you have, uh, depending on what running back is in there. And it's going to be important. As far as the passing game goes, it's been atrocious. These last two games, Robbie Ashford has really struggled big time. We saw some improvement in the Arkansas and the uh, Ole Miss game. And I was like, okay, he's making some improvements. The last game, last two games, he has regressed. It's been rough. 
need to try to find some positivity for him in this game, try to get him some easier looks, try to give him some more RPO looks, some quick uh, passes, some uh, simple reads, something to really try to get him back going. Kind of like talked about it this week. He's talked about how, look, we're going back to old school Auburn fo- uh, football, which means we're going we're gonna to be you know, run-oriented. But he also mentioned, like, yes, we need to be better in the passing game. Look, I, Auburn, it, they're going to win this game. They don't need to have to pass much, but they do need to be able to at least have some sort of a threat of a passing game. They had no threat of it against Texas A&M, so need to find some sort of threat in the passing game uh, against Western Kentucky, even if it doesn't matter for this game, at least uh, uh, for the Iron Bowl, um, to have have that going for you. We'll see if that if Robbie Ashford is able to have a better game. I certainly hope he's able to, um, but I'm not extremely confident in that. But we'll see what happens there uh, for the offense in this game. As for Western Kentucky's offense, that's kind of where the story is. And as I was just mentioning, mentioning, if Auburn does fall behind in this game, which is entirely possible because of the explosiveness of this Western Kentucky offense, Robbie Asher may be forced to throw. And so I talked about, well, at least for the Iron Bowl, well, it could end up mattering in this game. They are the 14th best offense in the country as far as yards per game. They average 484 yards per game, 336 through the air. Their quarterback was a transfer from the Division II ranks where he won a national championship. He is having a great year. This Western Kentucky offense is a mix of West Coast and Air Raid. So, yeah, you're going to get some similar concepts to what you saw uh, against Mississippi State, but you're also going to get some West Coast um, you know, offense. More West Coast you don't see as much, more so in the NFL, than you do at the college ranks. So it really is an intriguing offensive style. In fact, Western Kentucky's OC was kind of a candidate to become Auburn's OC this season. Uh, didn't happen. He ended up staying there. He's a, he, I'm not sure he'll be there another year, though. I think a lot of teams liked him last year. Nobody hired him. We'll see what happens this offseason. They've got four receivers with over 500 yards receiving. Uh, Malachi Corley is their leading receiver. He's got almost 1,000. He'll probably get to 1,000 in this game. Uh, Daywood Davis is the uh, second leading receiver. He's got around 700. So they're going to sling it. They're going to throw the ball around. They're going to get it at these playmakers, and they're going to try to beat you. But, again, it's not going to be a ton of deep throws. West Coast offense is uh, short, quick throws, and especially – against this Auburn pass rush, they're going to want to get the ball out quick. They're not going to want to let that pressure uh, get onto them. They don't run the ball much, but when they do, they average almost seven yards per carry. So they can be sneaky dangerous in there. It's going to be important in this game for Auburn's defense to be able to defend the run with a short box, meaning you know only about five guys in the box, meaning defensive line is able to get off their blocks, meaning linebackers are able to make plays against um, the offensive line. That's going to be important. That way you can keep more guys in uh, in pass defense. Whatever Jeff Schmetting did in the second half of the Mississippi State game, he should do it again. Because, like I said, there's some differences in the West Coast and Mississippi State air raid offense, but a lot of similarities, a lot of quick, short passes. So keeping things in front of you, playing some tighter zone, mixing it with some man, it's going to be important for this defense. Also, again, getting pressure. But you only can do that when you force them to third and longs because you're letting them get five yards, five yards, five yards, and you know, and uh, you're seeing Austin Reed sit back there and, and get a pass off in you know, just a, under a, a two seconds. Then you can't really get a pass rush there. If you force them to stay in the pocket longer, you can. That's going to be important in this game.
So like I said, I think it's going to be a four-quarter battle uh, to the end, but I like Auburn to win this game. I think the line's around five and a half. I like Auburn to cover, but I fully expect it to be a battle. Uh, if, if it is a blowout, that will make me very happy. I will say that going into, going into the Thanksgiving holiday, but I don't really expect that to be the case here. So with a short time we've got left, I'm going to go into quick, some quick predictions of some other games this weekend. Again, I'm going to kind of fly through these because we've only got a couple minutes remaining here. Go Start out with Illinois at Michigan. Uh, this was thought of for a while, looked like possibly an upset here this season right before you know, Michigan and Ohio State play next weekend. Uh, I want to send my condolences to Brett uh, Belima. He lost his uh, mother, I believe, yesterday. Uh, send my condolences to him, and this obviously going to be an emotional game for this Illinois team. I think Michigan will uh, will uh, take care of business before next week's game against Ohio State. And while I'm talking about it, I'm just going to go ahead and make a pick for that game since I'm not going to be able to talk about it again. Talk to you guys before that game is played. This game, Michigan finally won. Jim Harbaugh finally beat Ohio State last year, um, but now they've got to travel to play Ohio State this year. It's probably going to be number two versus number three. I like Ohio State, and um, I think Ohio State's going to win pretty comfortably. The key for Michigan, Michigan runs the football well. Their passing attack leaves much to be desired. They're going to need to uh, dominate the time possession if they want to win this game against Ohio State next weekend. Uh, I'm just not sure they can do that. They do have solid defense, but can it slow down Ohio State enough? But also, Ohio State's a little banged up, especially at running back. If they can make Ohio State one-dimensional, they've got a good shot. Nonetheless, I like Ohio State in this game. TCU at Baylor. TCU staying undefeated for Tennessee's hopes of getting in the playoffs. They really need TCU to lose. I thought it was going to come last week against Texas. It didn't. Baylor's really having a, a disappointing season this year. Even though TCU has traveled to Baylor, I still like the Horned Frogs in this one. Typically, I would pick Baylor in this matchup, being at home. But coming off the loss last week and the way they looked this season, I've got to go TCU. Vanderbilt finally got a win in SEC play for the first time in a few years. I picked them to, to get it. The week I don't pick them to win the SEC game is the week they do it. They did it against Kentucky. Now, Florida has to come to Nashville. They've got to play in some freezing cold weather. How is that going to affect the Gators this week? I don't know. This is a dangerous game for Florida especially with Vanderbilt having some confidence. Nonetheless, I think Florida gets it done, but I think Vanderbilt covers in this one. Ole Miss at Arkansas. Obviously, all the Lane Kiffin uh, you know, drama surrounding this Ole Miss program. I, I, I'm sure their players have seen it. Arkansas seems to finally be healthy. K.J. Jefferson seems like he's finally healthy here. Uh, for the Razorbacks, that's going to be big. If he is healthy, if this team is truly healthy, they can beat Ole Miss. They nearly pulled off the upset uh, against LSU last weekend. Because of the everything surrounding this Ole Miss program right now, coming off the Alabama game, I'm going to go Arkansas in this game. That was not what my plan was coming into the show. I just kind of talked myself into it right here in these last few seconds. I'm going to go Arkansas in this one. Bedlam, man, I'm so disappointed this game is not going to continue to be played after Oklahoma and Texas joined the SEC. That's really disappointing to me. Iowa and Iowa State have continued to play, although they're in different conferences. There's no reason, absolutely no reason, this game should continue to be played, um, should not continue to be played, even when Oklahoma joins the SEC. And yet, that's the case. 
Oklahoma State, I have no clue what to predict with them. I think Spencer Sanders has been healthy. At one time, they were like one of the best teams in the country. I know they've had some injuries, but this also just inconsistency of this team. Oklahoma's favored in this game. I like Oklahoma State, though. I like them to travel to Norman and get the victory in one of the last Bedlam games we're going to see. USC at UCLA. Man, I'm so excited. There's finally some excitement around this game. Two actually good teams this year. The Rose Bowl sold out, and it's not the national championship or the Rose Bowl game. It's an actual UCLA home game. That is great. It's great for college football. It's great for UCLA. I'm very excited that that's the case. Very much looking forward to this game this weekend. I like UCLA, though. I really do. Travis Dye was a big loss for the USC team last weekend. Uh, I like what UCLA is doing. I think they can keep their chances of making the Pac-12 championship game alive by winning this football game. So I like UCLA to get the win over USC in this one. And then real quick, I'm going to talk about the Iron Bowl because I'm not going to get to talk about it before. Um, I I really I don't like Auburn's chances, period, in the story. I don't see a way they can win this game. They're just a they're just not a good team this year. They're going to go to Tuscaloosa, and they're going to play their tails off. There's no doubt about that. Cadillac's going to have them ready to play the best he can. But at the end of the day, Auburn doesn't have the dudes. They don't have the players to beat Alabama. This isn't any elite Alabama team. We've talked about that. It doesn't matter. Uh, Alabama, I expect to fully uh, dominate Auburn in this game. It's the Iron Bowl, so you always say we'll throw out records. We saw it happen in 2012. When, and this Auburn team's a little bit better than that 2012 team, but not by much. Uh, I, so I, I don't see uh, Auburn being able to compete in that game, unfortunately. So I hate to leave you on a sad note like that, but the good news is you're going to have a new coach maybe the day before or the following day or the day after that fairly soon. I'll be back in two weeks. Again, I crammed a ton in this hour. Thank you all for standing by and listening. I really appreciate your support. Again, follow me on social media as I'll have plenty of content over the break before I get to be back live. Everybody enjoy their Thanksgiving, and we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Friday at 11 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle and see you next time.